I don't want a pickle, just want to ride on my motorcycle. Okay, we're at Nokomoto episode 15. Something like that. Yeah, 15. I'm sure it's 15. Nice. Okay, let's talk bikes. Okay, so what's been going on lately? Let's see. I'm in day two of finally getting my license. I'm taking the the Harley Davidson New Rider Academy course, which has been extremely interesting. But I've got to I've got to do the last day before I come in with uh, official thoughts on the process. Hey Peter, what bike are you riding? I am riding. <laughs> <laughs> the street 500 okay that i can give a review of worst bike in the world confirmed um it is garbage uh first of all so i know harley davidson is like all about low seat heights right the seat is too low like it's like a big wheel low it's uncomfortable. It's so low. Like, there's too much bend in my knees. It's terrible. It's absolutely horrible. At the range, they've got, like, you know, seats that are an extra, like, couple inches thick that they're putting on for some people or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I need to say about the Street 500, right? So there's seven of us in the class. And one of them, so one of the students was having trouble getting into you know finding neutral and second gear on it Mm -hmm. and so the instructor knowing that i was you know the only experienced rider in the group was like why don't you take this one pete like the the new one and we'll we'll move her to another bike and she goes yeah you know when when they're new sometimes you just gotta like work through them a little bit until they start working right. (laughs) Okay. And I was like, oh, here we go. So we're getting a little, like, you know, bullet 500 quality worked into these machines, basically. Um, Well, they are made in Asia, right? Oh, yeah, they're made in India, completely. Oh, okay. And they are ridiculously underpowered. It is the lightest throttle ever. It's so light, it's weird. It's real. It just. It's weird. It's like you're. It's like you're pulling. Like, you know what it feels like. It. I don't know if you ever played Super Hang On in the arcade. No. So uh, the old Super Hang On in the arcade. So you'd sit on the bike, right? Right. And you would just turn the throttle on it and lean the bike back and forth, and those are your controls. So the throttle on this feels just like the throttle from Super Hang On. Okay. There's no spring. Like, I mean, there's a spring return on it, but it's like the worst ever. So what you're saying is an electrical engineer who designed the super hang on bike is about the same level of quality (laughs) as the engineer who designed the street 500 nailed it. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, that's what it's like. And what else about it? So I don't know. So uh, the the bikes that we're using have a limiter on them, or they're like the ECU's reprogrammed, so they can't exceed like 
25 miles per hour in first gear and they can't exceed like 28 miles per hour in second or something like that. Like it's really bizarre. I feel like that's kind of a weird choice for a training bike because you need to be allowed to make that mistake if you're going to learn. I don't know. I, I, that, that's that's how they are. It's it's really bizarre. But the, so what else is wrong with this bike? Um, the fit and finish is not up to Harley level at all. Mm-hmm. No, in no way, shape, or form. The seat feels weird. It's not just the low seat height. The seat feels weird. It's not terrible, I guess, but it's 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 not up to the Harley name. It's not mm-hmm. up to the Harley name at all. Um, it's so bad, in fact, that you know when you when you take the Harley course, they walk you around the store giving you a big sales pitch, you know, in every department before you actually start. When the saleswoman went through went through with us through all the the different bikes they had, no mention of the Street Five Hundred. Didn't even walk as they had a couple sitting by the front door. Didn't even walk us by them. Talked all about the. She talked about the Roadster, and she didn't talk about the Street Five Hundred or the Seven Fifty or the Seven Fifty S or whatever the the hot one is. Wow. Wait. So, <clears throat> so you went. So you're going through the course. They're showing you all of these Harleys, and then you're going through the course, and then your first. I, if this is your introduction to motorcycles and you're getting your license through this program, which it is for uh, four people in the course of just never ridden, and their first experience of a Harley is going to be on the Street Five Hundred. Yes. Hmm. Well, it's an interesting tactic. Well, it okay. It's it's not a problem that it's the Street Five Hundred. I mean, I need to like not say too much about it because I want to wait till next week and really give like sort of my full thoughts on the process of going through this program. But at least as as it's relevant to talking about this bike, it's not completely un- inappropriate. I, I I think everyone would be doing a little bit better. If we were on Nighthawk 250s and that sort of stuff, your your regular right. safety course uh, fare for the bikes. But it's not like completely ridiculous that we're on these bikes because it, it's, 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 it's extremely underpowered as right. we discussed last week. The It's just curious to me that this is the first, you know, motorcycle and the first Harley Davidson they're on. And they're not trying to sell you on it, right? Right. Because you'd think that would be a perfect thing, right? If, uh, if if Abate themselves or MSF or whoever sold Nighthawks, you'd think they'd sell a shit ton of them with people finishing the course and going like, hey, so you want to buy one of these? They're really cheap and cheerful. You're already familiar with the machine, you know? like Right. So... It's odd that Harley doesn't want to actually try to sell you a Street 500 because they could do that pretty easily, I think. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it's odd. Like Harley Davidson, you know, America, which is a really weird thing to say, but that's kind of the reality of Harley Davidson right now. There's yeah. an American division in the rest of the world. Harley Davidson, America 
isn't interested in this bike. It's worthless to them. It only exists in this country as the training bike. It gets exactly the same amount of love as the Buell Blast used to. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, it's a little weird, but whatever. <clears throat> um, so sorry, India. This is like your coolest bike, and it has to be this. All right. So in other news, uh, so let's see. What day would it have been? Two days ago, I rode the CB750. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I guess we haven't mentioned it on the show, but... no. Um, so our father has been working on a CB 750, a 77 CB 750 last of the, of the single overhead cam. And he just got it all completely finished. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Two days ago in the morning, um, put everything together, got the exhaust back on, hit the start of the very first time. Boom. It went up. So I got to ride it. And so it's it's awesome that you know this recently after we did the CB750 is the best bike in the world. I rode one and it's excellent. It really is still excellent. Um except for the brakes. The brakes are horrible. Yeah, I so I didn't really look up this particular model and I'd only seen the bike in piece in various states of of disassembly. Right. So when I saw it tonight and I saw the whole thing together, it was the first time that I realized that that bike was single front brake disc, smooth brake disc, and single piston caliper. Right, which is horrible, but it gets a pass because it was the first bike to have a single brake disc up front. It was the first? First production disc brakes on a motorcycle. The very oh. first. So the CB750 gets a pass, unlike the Water Buffalo. By then they knew better, right? But CB750 was the very first. But it was excellent braking for the time, I'm sure. It is a little unnerving to operate that brake with a bike that heavy these days, you really, really need an amazing amount of stopping distance that you need to leave in front of everyone, everywhere you go. But you know what? You pull that throttle and that power still comes in and it's, you know, 60 something and it's enough to move it. And cause it's an old bike, you don't expect it to be a rocket ship mm -hmm. and it takes off and it pulls itself adequately. And Oh my God, is it, comfortable to sit on it is it is crazy comfortable the seat is magic this is the original seat from 1977 and it was amazing to sit on like it was great the only other little complaint i've got about it is where the foot pegs are so i don't know if you think you've ridden a bike with mid controls this bike defines mid controls and it, it has that problem that some bikes have where when you're stopped, you can really only put one foot down. Cause if you try to put both feet down, the foot pegs are exactly where you want your feet to be. So you're kind of really stuck to just putting one foot down kind of either forwards a little bit or something, but whatever, it's not a big deal, right? It's a classic bike. You're not riding it across country. And, you know, this one specifically is way too nice to be daily riding. 
So there we go. So yeah, one thing that surprised me seeing it all together was just how big of a bike it was. Yeah. I mean, I I I would I don't think I've seen a 750 next to the old um to my old CB1000, but in person it felt bigger than my CB1000. No, no, the CB900, CB1000, they they are larger for sure. But there's there's a certain sort of stockiness and beefiness to the CB750. Yeah. The, there's no wasted space inside of it, and it's just completely filled out. Right, like, just other weird things, like kind of how the airbox extends. There's like, it doesn't look like the, the, the boots from the airbox to the carburetors don't stick out. It's just all that gap that's mostly empty space on the 900 right. is just like the airbox just extends out past the side covers like right up against the carburetors yeah it's it's really filled out in a a satisfying way it's odd that it's a bike that's sort of become um not the poster child but you know a a celebrity in the cafe racer build world because it's in as as it is stock original it's perfect yeah it's just and it's it's really completely filled out yeah, and it's sort of just the opposite of Cafe Racer. So that's actually something I love about like um, the styling on something like the XSR 900. Yeah. Where even though it's a liquid-cooled engine, it's got the whole engine on display, but it's just totally filled out. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's, there's junk everywhere on it, but it kind of has this really thick, weighty... Um, appearance to it Mm -hmm. and it seems like the stock cb750 does the same thing yeah yeah i get that in a lot of ways um yeah to this day uh, i don't know i i don't know what i'm trying to say it's just a great bike and i was just so excited to ride it um we only we only rode about 40 miles after we got it going we went uh straight from firing it up kind of putting it through the gears on the spool stand and, and all that sort of stuff. And and we were very careful before we started it. And then we thought, okay, there's really nothing left to do but to take on a ride. So first thing we did was hit up the, the local gas station that sells ethanol-free gas. <laughs> also, interesting there, I put ethanol-free in my uh, Super Hawk, and I feel like I noticed a little bit of a difference. It just running a little better on that i feel like it would be pretty hard to notice the actual like the actual difference in energy density between 10 percent ethanol fuel and no ethanol fuel is only about three percent it's it'd be pretty tough to notice i think uh, it maybe it was imaginary but i don't know it could have just been that you know it was just a little bit of a warmer day than it has been and all that sort of stuff. Temperature could have definitely played a role in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it was great. It was a great day. It was super fun to ride. And I, I don't know how many people were trying to talk to us at the gas station, at the, at the bar that we went to, to get a cup of coffee and some lunch and, and all that in between just 
cars driving by, like old guys pointing, people giving the thumbs up out of car windows, like, yeah, cool, but you know? I I actually got that a lot on the CB1000 as well. Oh, so did you? Some guy would walk, well, it was it was kind of a sad, a sad affair, because everyone walked up to it, and they were like, CB750, and then they got up and was like, sorry, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> It's not even a dual overhead cam CB750. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's the one thing. Like, sorry, this is an 80s bike. You can be disgusted. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the CB1000 really started deviating from really the, the philosophy of that. And that's, you know, it, it's the CB1000 has a lot more to do with the 750 Nighthawk than the true CB750. Yeah, it's also a lot closer to the CB1100. It's it started to diverge at that point. Right. But this one, this 77, is the genuine article. That's yeah. what I'm just going to keep calling it. It's absolutely wonderful. So kind of like we said when we said the CB750 was the best bike in the world. I Yeah, I, if, you've, if you've really got the means to get one and put it together correctly, get it all original, really clean, I think this is one that's worth it. And I can't think of very many others. A, a, a real Bonneville might be worth it. But having ridden an old Bonneville, they're not as good as a CB750. Like, you're going right. to enjoy yourself a lot more on the CB750. And in reality, you're going to get just as many old guys wanting to talk to you about it. It's going to be just as big a celebrity at, you know, Cars and Coffee or whatever you're going to, whatever bike meetup. It's going to be just as big a celebrity as the old Triumph, really. So, go for it. You know, I, I, I can't say the CB750 isn't celebrated enough or doesn't get enough love, because it totally does, right? Uh, it's just, I was really excited about him when I first started getting into motorcycles, and then it was sort of like, oh, yeah, see, I, how many people have I met now that have picked one up and been doing work to it and whatever? And I sort of got bored of the idea of the bike for a while. And, and now I've just had a rekindled love with it. And mm -hmm. I've never and I have certainly read uh, road CB750s before. But this was the first time of riding one that was just all correct all perfect the four and the four exhaust no rust no problems all the wiring clean you know it the bike wants to start almost before you hit the electric starter it just ro roars to life um you know just having absolute confidence in a vintage bike like that just be able to ride it and just know that everything is perfect and you're really getting the experience that everyone had in 1977 or whatever before, right? Well, let's see how it goes after the first 3,000 miles. The, okay, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But as of right now, like, it's really good. And, that, I mean, that was a new one for me. I, um, You know, just riding one that good was was really nice. Um, So there we go. Um, You know what I think? I think it's time for... Best worst bike in the world. Okay, and are you ready to do this, Swiggy? Hang on a minute. Mm, 
I don't think we need the drum roll for this. Oh no, what do we need for this? Uh I'll show you. Are we really doing the GPC 900? Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Here we go. All right. Let's uh let's start off a little pedestrian. We'll work our way up. Mhm. All right. So GPZ 900 staple of the 80s. Do, do we need to say just really quickly if there is anyone young listening, uh this is the Top Gun bike, hence the Kenny Loggins music. Yes. It's 2018. I feel like I got to throw the young kids a bone there. I have I do know a lot of younger guys at my job who have never seen Top Gun. I wasn't happy about it. Those idiots. I know. All right. Okay, so so lay it on me cuz I haven't looked at the numbers on these for a while. Uh 11 to 1 compression ratio, 108 horsepower at the crank, 63 foot pounds of torque at 8500 RPM. Really? Yeah. Wow. And okay. it's a 6 a 6 speed. Oh yeah, it's also a six-gallon tank. Get out! Was it really? Well, this is the GPZ nine hundred R. Yeah, which is yeah, 80... yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, it's well five point eight gallons. Um, and apparently still like forty-one miles per gallon. Yeah, so this was, I know, the fastest production bike in the world when it was new. Like, hands down. It was crazy. This changed everything. Right. So, at the time, it also had 41 millimeter forks. Mm-hmm. Which was hot shit at the time. Yeah, it was. I mean, we've only bumped up to 43 millimeter forks since. Yep. Now, there's a lot of things about this bike, and we can harp on about the specs. You also have to consider... No, you can't harp on about the specs. This was absolutely the top shit at the time. Oh, it totally was. This is what, 83 or 84? It's, it's actually all the same specs. It's virtually unchanged. All right. Yeah. yeah. So so let's uh, let's bring it up on the big screen here and really just sink in the beauty that is this machine. Now, I started saying, what was it, like four or five years ago that everyone needed to start buying these up like crazy and mm-hmm. no one fucking listened to me? Right. And now they're going for crazy money. I was telling, like, everybody I could tell, buy these things. This is, like, the first of so many things that have come. Like like the, like the we said, the CB750, so many bikes have a little bit of DNA. This is a closer ancestor. Yeah, this, this thing is, yeah, a closer ancestor. It's a great way to put it. Every track bike has even more DNA of this than the CB750 in it. It's yeah. crazy. This started it all. Absolutely nuts. Look, on the Wikipedia page, it even mentions Top Gun, right? I mean, this just came out with such a bang. This is one of the first, like, you know, sort of full-fared, fleshed-out, beautiful, you know, machines. I I love the way it looks. A few years ago, people really hadn't come around to how beautiful it is yet. Uh, Something about the front fairing and the way it points down, like, was a little off-putting. So, there was one major aspect of this bike that put people off for a long time, which is, unfortunately, 
it is an 80s bike. So it does have the square headlight. It's got a lot of blockiness to it. Yeah. And, you know, we moved away from that pretty fast in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when you really go back, now that there's enough distance between us and the 80s now, when you really go back and look at it, it absolutely nailed every style element of it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But you couldn't see that from the 90s, and you couldn't see that from the early 2000s. Now that there's enough distance, you can really reflect on the the whole thing, and in the context, it it all just looks fabulous. Look, okay, everything that I seem to get into in bikes becomes a big fad like five years later. Everyone needs to start fucking listening to me, okay? Because five, six years ago at least... You know, and I know at least definitely before years ago, but, but but before these started jumping up in price, I was going on and on and on about how landmark, iconic, and important this bike is to the history of motorcycles. And everyone was like, are you kidding me? Those 80s ninjas? Those are awful. Those are lame. What are you talking about? And now try to find a good one for under six grand, a, a decent one try four years ago you could get these for 500 bucks good ones no one cared no one gave a shit i'm not you know you know what and and, i'm I'm not even gonna like release my secret list of the bikes that i know are gonna be like this in a few more years i'm done okay i'll throw everyone a bone the first year toyota prius is gonna be a collector's car No one thinks I'm making any sense when I say this. Wait five more years. You're going to start seeing them at car shows and shit. Okay. So move. So hang (laughs) on. Away from that. So I. Okay. Well, one moment. You can't really mention this bike without talking about Top Gun. No, you can't. And now a lot of people will say that Top Gun kind of exposed this bike and, you know, gave it that exposure and that visibility. I don't think that's true. I think it's the other way around. <laughs> I think I think Top Gun was inspired by the GPZ 900R. Okay. Now, if you haven't seen Top Gun in a while, you could be forgiven for mistaking it as an action movie. Okay. But in reality, it's a love story. <laughs> okay. You see, Maverick is never in any real danger. He's not at war. He's training. Yes. If he flunks out of Top Gun, there are no consequences. Mm-hmm. He's constantly just being an asshole. True. And he's surrounded by the most incredible support network you have ever seen. Yeah. He's got his soon-to-be girlfriend... Right. Who's helping him at every turn. He's got... Goose. He's got Goose, his main man. Even Iceman, who's somewhat superficially set up as the villain, is just trying to help him. It's true. And in reality, the thing about Top Gun is that Maverick, he's not following a hero's journey. He's not really... um, I think he (sighs) shoots down a couple MiGs in the third act, but that's about it. Well, he does, but that's that's not even the end scene. You see, 
Mm-hmm. The end scene is him meeting up with his girlfriend back at the bar and her sticking around and realizing yeah. that he'd finally found his confidence and realized he didn't have to prove anything to anybody anymore and found his place in the world and he was content and yeah. he had finally grown into a man and matured. And this is a common thread with the GPZ-900 and every GPZ-900 owner. Okay. You see, <laughs> the way it works is you get this bike. Okay. You know, you're young, you're, you're dumb. And full of cum. And full of cum. <laughs> and you think you're hot shit. And you go out in the streets and you tear it up and nothing can stop you. No one can catch you. But everyone starts to resent you. Mm-hmm. You're too good. You're too fast. You don't know your limits. You're just a danger to everybody around you. And you keep trying to tell people how good you are, how fast you are. But it doesn't seem to matter. And you're trying to find acceptance in other people. But at a certain point... <laughs> you realize... You don't have anything to prove. <laughs> you're not trying to beat anybody. And in reality... You finally comfortable with who you are and what you have and what you can do. And you stop racing. You just <laughs> I think I've made my point. Yeah, I I don't know if there's anything I can say that that really adds to that. <laughs> All right. There we go. Kawasaki GPZ900R, the first ninja. I do want to point out, I, I think I said this in the last episode or two episodes ago. If you uh, look up a picture of this, the ninja logo the 80s ninja logo on the side still the same ninja logo i guess we should also just point out really quickly just just summarize fast agile collectible landmark cool, technology historical landmark there's not a lot this bike is missing no no it's complete it's perfect it, it like like the CB750 and so many other brilliant things. Just as it exists, its its legacy is secure. It doesn't need to be anything other than what it was at the time, and in that way, it is absolutely perfect. All right, so let's move on to the worst bike in the world. This <laughs> let's go. Week. Okay. Oh, is this going to be the drum roll now? Yeah, oh, <laughs> we're going to have an okay. anticlimactic drum roll now. <laughs> After your dramatic music. So, instead of a drum roll, I wish we had Len steal my sunshine as the music for this. Because the worst bike in the world this week is a little bit more suited to that. Uh-huh. Now, I, rather than reveal the name of this, I, I've got some questions I need to ask you really quickly. So, if you were in the market for a bike which had dual front disc brakes with two piston calipers... ABS, traction control, 
got somewhere between 110 and 120 miles per gallon, had the styling outsourced by Emporio Armani, was an Italian import. What kind of money do you think you'd expect to be spending on this machine? Jeez. Well, this is sounding like a full a fully enclosed scooter of some kind. Okay. Probably Would you think $11,000 sounds like a bargain for a bike with those kinds of specs? Uh yeah, actually that sounds Now, what oh. if I told you it was the Vespa 946 150cc scooter for $11,000? Wait, what? So this crime against humanity, this absolute fucking cock punch of a machine. This is the Vespa 946 so, sorry, one scooter. One, I, sorry, just to stop you, can you just scroll up a bit on the webpage here? No, no I'm going to get to that in a minute. I know exactly <laughs> okay. what you're talking about. <laughs> so this absolute crime is the Vespa 946, named because Vespa was started in 1946. What? Now, yeah. Okay. So this thing, yeah, I know it doesn't make any sense, right? It's just everything about this is just absolute pompousness with nothing to back it up. So this thing costs $11,000, and it's 155 cc three-valve single with a CVT. Now, it does have traction control. It's got the disc brake. It's got all that, you know, crazy stuff I talked about. It's fuel-injected, whatever gets over 100 miles per gallon, like 110 or 12 or something like that. It has a 2.2-gallon tank. So it has, theoretically, if you baby it, something up to about approaching 250 miles of range, which is impressive. Except for the fact that if you look at the specs and the engine and all these things, the Vespa Primavera 150, their budget line of scooters, has this motor, has all these specs except for the traction control and ABS. And what do you want to guess that one costs? Was it like $4,000? It's like four or five. Yeah. <laughs> So, you are paying a premium. So, you're paying like $6,000 for bodywork and a few electronic features? Exactly. Now, it gets even worse. What do you think the GTS 300 costs? Uh, like 7000 Yeah. And that thing does 100 miles per hour, has an engine almost twice the size, is capable of touring has storage space, has the traction control, has the ABS, gets like 80-something miles per gallon, and it's badass. This thing is a crime against everything that Vespa stands for. So one of Vespa's really big trademark things is that you can fit the two helmets underneath the seat, right? Vespa compromised on the batteries they would put they could put in their electric scooter because they wouldn't sacrifice the storage space underneath the seat 
to hold extra batteries and actually make it a usable scooter. But apparently, that was no fucking problem for the 946. There is jack shit for underneath uh, underneath seat storage on this. There is no underneath seat storage. Instead, you've got this weird, like, horse boner coming off of the frame <laughs> that somewhat resembles a seat that... I, I I don't think you could really put a passenger on. It doesn't look like it. And then there's this insult of a luggage rack on the back. Who designs a luggage rack that sits at a 45 degree angle? What the fuck can you put also, on that luggage rack? It also kind of intersects the seat. Exactly. So, yeah, you can't put shit on there. You know, if I'm breaking $11,000 <clears> for an Italian bike of any kind... I want to be able to break 150 miles an hour or fit a supermodel on the back. You and this can a- do neither of these here. <laughs> it pisses me off. Now, here is the real problem. Well, no, I've already said the real problem. Here's the proof. No one would buy this for $11,000 and no one has. Right. Cycle Trader is up to its eyeballs in these things. 2014, 15, 16 models all over the country, never registered, 10 miles or less, selling for seven to $8,000. Exact Selling for whatever the same year unregistered GTS 300 is selling for. Now... Because they can't sell these fucking things, they have pulled all the stops out and have come up with a very unique and unusual strategy to try to guilt you into buying one. They are trying to guilt you into buying them with African AIDS babies. So, okay. So, this is all if starting you go to, come to the Vespa now. website, you can look up the Vespa 946 Red because. They've stopped even making them in other colors. You can only get them in red now. And they've decided to make this partnership with Red, the AIDS Foundation. And they're claiming that when you buy one of these and you actually pony up the $11,000 for them, they make a donation to stop babies being born with AIDS. And this is what they have to resort to. Okay. Now, if this was some sort of other promotion and Vespa just wants to give money for AIDS or whatever, which is an awesome cause, great. But they're doing it with their failed idea and it's thinly veiled and it's bullshit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this has really got me worked <laughs> up. Look, here is this is what is on the website. Red represents the passion we in every core vespa 946 red owner has for bringing an end to aids vespa and red have partnered to travel together towards a world where no baby is born with hiv let's keep things in perspective you make scooters yeah right when you look up the specs on this thing and you search like any website almost always there is attached this really ridiculously long blurb or all this copy that Vespa has put out about this bike. And it's this like very poorly written yet also flowing language about the philosophy of it and its connection to the youth and how it harkens back to the glory days of Vespa, where they put a whole nation 
you know, uh, to work by getting them to work with this cheap transportation. And the, the, the Vespa went all over the world and is connected with every generation and every culture and blah, 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 blah. And to get back to that, they're going to make a 150 CC machine that costs $11,000 and gives you besides traction control Nothing that their like five thousand dollar Primavera one fifty doesn't give you. Also, what the fuck is that? Just because it's it its styling was outsourced to Emporio Armani, they make a big deal about the monocoque chassis and it's got like a hundred and sixty welds in it or something. Well, you know what other vehicle has a monocoque chassis with all those welds? The GTS three hundred, which costs like eight thousand dollars, three thousand dollars less than this thing, which has insanely more performance. And a big cool factor, the GTS 300 may be the greatest scooter ever. I'm oh, sorry. No, no, that's the Bergman 650 executive. It may be the second best scooter <laughs> ever created in the history of scooters. And they have the audacity. They have the fucking balls to try to charge us $3,000 more for this piece of shit. Not to mention... I was talking a few episodes ago about it's hard to not look like a douchebag on a on a Hayabusa. You tell me. You look up the picture on this thing, and you tell me you could not look like a pretentious piece of greasy Euro trash trust fund whatever on this. This thing was designed to be bought by like Saudi oil prince's nephews. And then shipped to Ibiza, where it's ridden for about 23 miles over 36 hours, and then catapulted into the ocean. Because fuck you. That's what this was designed for. Not to connect with the youth. Not to bring back the days of Vespa. This was just some fucked up acid trip by Vespa to try to overdo something, make a statement... They didn't have the the sight to see that they were making a mistake. They tried to force it on the European and American market. No one wanted it. And now they're trying to guilt you into buying it by propping up African AIDS babies. What the fuck, Vespa? What the fuck? Yeah. The, The bar for how desperate you are to move something must be pretty high to put hashtag end aids at at the top of your marketing page right let's just associate you know what this has been a huge failure we're really way deep in the hole on this one let's just associate our brand with aids (laughs) what (laughs) the fuck okay and like because it, it it really hurts me because overall I really love the company that Vespa has become in the last decade. I really do. They make a really premium scooter that is great for a lot of things. The the technology, the engineering that's in Vespas is second to none. It's like the Harley Davidson of scooters. It really is. They are fucking brilliant. But this is just an insult. 
absolutely. And honestly, I don't think it looks any cooler than a Honda Metropolitan. It does look sort of... It it looks like if you... I think it looks like if some sort of alien... What's a great movie, Alien? Okay, if there was like a Predator 8 or whatever, the, you know, whatever, like the, the Predator 2 reboot and Predator shows up with his girlfriend and she needs a really expensive pair of shoes from the latest uh, Paris fashion show. This looks like that shoe. I can't disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Doesn't it? It looks like some sort of really crazy exotic shoe from some fucked up acid trip of a shoe designer at a crazy uh, Paris fashion show. It is weird. I can't deal with it. I can't deal. You know, I could deal with it if they gave it outrageous styling, but made it a budget model. So they were trying to like bring fashion to the masses and that would actually connect. But it's kind of, it's, if it was only 50 CCs, if it was based off the Primavera, 50 cc and for the extra styling package it was only like eight hundred dollars more i would be a huge fan of this but who needs traction control on this son of a bitch no one who's also paying who needs traction I, I can control understand AB, like, i can also understand paying a little bit more for a specialty model that was maybe limited run and was a little more stylish a bit more expensive, but it's not only more expensive, it's ridiculously more expensive. Yeah. None of the features that are added are ever going to come into effect in real world usage. And on top of that, it's less functional. It's also like $500 more than a Suzuki Bergman 650 executive. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're going to save some money back on tires, but... Are you? If you this thing's got a 250-mile range and you're really going to use it to like do serious commuting, how long do scooter tires last? Not that long, but they're cheap as fuck. Okay, maybe. I don't know. I haven't replaced scooter tires recently or ever in my life, but it doesn't matter. For $500 less, you can get a 650 Executive with... ABS with electric adjustable windscreen with shit tons of storage with a 650 twin with a zero to 60 time of 5.8 seconds. The potential to wheelie. This has nothing, nothing. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm getting, I'm getting upset. I, do we need to end this? I don't know. I I'm really we can definitely go for a break. Okay. But... Let's go for a break. <laughs> Okay, breaking new ground. We're not actually done talking shit about the Vespa. L- l- okay, we got some more thoughts. What's what's going on here? Okay, so there's a couple things I I need to put out here. First of all, I think this was kind of a... Let's see. This is not going to resonate with a lot of our audience, I don't think. I think it might resonate with our younger audience. Okay. But this is kind of an EA-style new managing director situation, I think. Okay. Where 
somebody's come in and they've got to leave their mark on the company. And they've got to, what they've got to do is they've got to increase profit margins, make the company more valuable. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is to increase their profit margins. Okay. So they're going to throw maybe a few hundred dollars per unit at can at AIDS research. Okay. And they're going to massively. Yeah, because we should mention Vespa doesn't tell you how much money they're giving, right? Right. So they're gonna they're gonna and if it's a penny less than three thousand dollars per unit, I'm pissed. Well, also what they're paying Armani. Fuck Armani. Armani's been dead for like a decade and a half at least, or longer. Two decades, three decades. How long ago did Giorgio Armani die? Like, no, it's it's it outsourced to Emporio Armani. Which is the, the, the company now run by Armani's daughter. So it's just a bunch of people who work for a company named after a guy who used to design Italian shit. That would explain why the seat looks like a vagina. Yeah, okay. But... <laughs> when but, did he die? Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, he died at 83 from 34, so 37 plus... 2017, really? No. No. Oh, is he still alive? No, he's not. It doesn't matter. If he's not dead, he's at least irrelevant. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, the point is... <clears throat> right, but this this is this is totally a gimmick. There, oh, yeah. there is nothing genuine about the aims or the styling or or anything behind this this bike. No, exactly. Now, in terms of how this styling disaster came about, okay. I think this is this is an absolute. Case study, Star Wars, The Phantom Menace okay. situation. All right. Where somebody came along, very respectable, who had no real idea what they were doing without their support network around them, and cooked something up. It was fucking terrible. Showed it to everybody, and everyone around that person was too afraid to say no. Yeah. So, I mean, look, okay, so I, I want to get to something else here. So where's the cycle trader? Okay, if you look these up on cycle trader, you cannot find one with any miles on them, okay? Like, I'm not just talking out of my ass, okay? Look, 2016 Vespa, Two miles on it, never registered, seven and a half thousand dollars. Okay, one in New Orleans, 32 miles, never registered, new, eight thousand dollars. Two miles on another one, seven and a half thousand dollars, seven thousand dollars, new, never registered, one year of roadside assistance. We've got one here for six and a half thousand dollars in Alabama. Doesn't say mileage here. One with four miles for seven and a half thousand dollars. One with one mile for eight thousand dollars. 
And one of these, like, come, yeah, this one for seven and a half thousand dollars with four miles on it, never registered, still new, has an eleven hundred dollar audio system in it. <laughs> like, uh, you cannot find one of these that someone actually bought. No one bought this thing, right? So, the true price of this thing is somewhere between six and a half and seven and a half thousand dollars. That's where they all seem to pretty much land. It could so, be less. Right. Yeah, because they're all here. So if so since they obviously couldn't sell these things and now they're propping up Africans a African AIDS babies to try to actually sell them for eleven thousand dollars from Vespa. Well, we know the true cost of this thing, you know, what it's actually worth is only seven seventy five hundred eight gram tops. So if it's less than three thousand dollars per bike that they're giving to red, I am supremely pissed. So you can buy a GTS 300 of from the current year with a warranty for the same that you can buy these 946s. Yes. And the GTS is better performance, equivalent styling, I feel, and just as many features, if not more. No, more features. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking insane and you know i was talking about the philosophy of the thing and why it's so such a such a fucking like punch in the dick no no youthful person that you know needs this kind of you know because okay let me backtrack a scooter like this that gets amazing economy is something that you know young people can actually really, really want and use and can fill a very big part of their lives. And, you know, the the specs and, and, and everything on this machine are excellent for what it is. Again, the problem is that the Vespa Primavera exists, which has the same motor and all that stuff, but, you know, kind of does more with less. It is the same motor and, and frame and all that stuff, the the Primavera is the unsung hero here because it's not even like they took the Vespa GTS and then did this extra styling job on it. They took something from their budget line of scooters and just gave it this styling makeover and asked all this money for it and no one bought it. And they can't have the decent, like, why couldn't they just, like, rebuild them as Primaveras or something, right? This would kind of be like if Honda released the Civic RTX that was basically a Civic Type R with some chrome and was hot pink and cost $90,000. Maybe not $90,000, but like $53,000, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what it's like. And... Oh, I'm just so... I'm too angry to talk. I'm too angry to talk. It's... Mm. All right. I don't fault Vespa for wanting to have this product that's really premium. Right? I don't fault them... For having an $11,000 scooter. Right? I mean. I love the Bergman. 
that's essentially an $11,000 scooter, right? But, but you, you get, get a 650 twin. Right. You, you, you get a lot for that. And I know you're getting some features that are uncommon and really premium for a scooter, but Vespa has already proven they can give you all those features for a much lower price already and more performance and overall better package. So what you're saying is this would all be fine if it had launch control. No. <laughs> that is not what I am saying. Launch control. What? I, well, I think I already said it. I would be fine if this was just a special version of the Primavera that was, you know, five, six, eight hundred dollars more for it to be restyled. And and some some people would be willing to pay a premium for that. I mean, the Vespa Primavera 150 already has a premium price for a 150cc scooter, but it's a Vespa. And it's a really nice 150cc scooter. And it's their budget line even, right? I mean, you know, if we take a poke around some other things here, you know, like this, the Sprint and all of that, which, you know, they got the 50, the 150. And it all comes down to the fact that it's, you could get two Primavera 150s for the cost of this machine, basically. And I think the Primavera looks gorgeous. The Primavera looks like a legit Vespa. The GTS to a lot 300. of people, the Primavera is superior to the 946. It certainly is to me. I, I, I guess what I really want to say is like, you know, you, there, there's no like proof. There's no burden on us. You only need to check out Cycle Trader and eBay and all that sort of stuff to see that no one has bought the 946. So it's worth seven and a half thousand dollars. And they're trying to get you to still pay the eleven thousand, ordering it straight from Vespa for this red edition. And if they're giving a penny less than three thousand dollars to red, I'm I'm super pissed. I am. Because This is kind of like band-aid tickets. After everybody realized that Bono is an asshole. Yeah. You know, I keep saying the same things again because my mind is just stuck on how angry I am at Vespa for this. I can't believe we found found something with two wheels that upset you less than the freewheeler. Right? Look, if... If um, if they're giving the entire $3,000 to Red, I'm less angry. But I cannot believe that they actually are. Because we know that the actual market value of this machine is seven and a half. Seven, seven and a half, eight at tops. Eight at absolute tops, right? So, what... It, it it's the fact that they're trying to tug at your heartstrings and guilt trip you into buying it for eleven. Now, if I can't even if think they of a lot realize, of cars that do that, right? If they realize, okay, we can't sell these things any other way, 
we'll sort of create this loss and get rid of our inventory and we'll like make it happen quicker by incorporating this charity cause. Well, that's fine then. Okay, you're that's trying to make lemons out of lemonade. Well, that's assuming that Primavera is like is an undersold lineup. Is it? Well, I don't know because apparently these are supposed to have some sort of like you know frame that's a little bit different than the Primavera. What this shares is the braking system and the motor and the same basic styling layout of the Primavera 150. Right. right. So th- this is a different bike, supposedly. I mean, from if everything that I've read is true, it, it's not like they're trying to like get rid of excess Primaveras. I don't think they have any problem selling Primaveras. They have a problem selling the 946. So it, th- instead of just trying to sell them for seven and a half, eight thousand dollars like they should be doing. They're still trying to get you to pay the full price with the AIDS cause in there. But that only works if they're actually giving that $3,000 for every bike sold to the cause. I mean, even... Otherwise, it's patently dishonest. Even if they're not, for the $7,500 price tag, they're... 2016 CBR 650Fs with zero miles on showroom floors that you can pick up for less. Yeah. Yeah. I could get a brand new um, Husqvarna Svarpillen. That's got a 400. Fuck this 150. That also has ABS and traction control. After registration and a year of insurance, you'd still be in the black. Exactly. So what the fuck is this scooter? Like, who's it for? And I want to get back to this whole thing that they talk about how it connects with the youth and goes back to their history. How? So, yeah, you get Vespa started in 1946. World War II has ended. The whole country's torn to shit. So, you you know, a lot of motorcycle companies start after World War II. All these avia- uh, aviation engineers... They were, you know, out of work because they weren't building, like, warplanes anymore. They all go into the motorcycle business because roads are torn up. Everything's fucked up. No one can, certainly no one can afford a goddamn car. So all of Europe starts making motorcycles and scooters. And Vespa's right at the front of this, making some of the best, most reliable, most affordable one. And gets a whole country mobile again, like Suzuki and Honda with their powered bicycles in Japan. Vespa's doing that with scooters in Europe. It's a huge thing. It's significant. It's important. It's culturally important. It's a it's a great moment of what people can do and get together and make the best of a bad situation and really turn things around. Not just as a small group of people, but as a society. And the Vespa name and the the heritage. You know, like I said, it's sort of the Harley Davidson of scooters. Like, it all really means something to people. Because what they did was really fantastic. And it's true. What they did was so fantastic that these machines really were popular all over the world. And they were because they were cheap. They were reliable. They were excellent, right? 
you know, dad talks about how all the mods really wanted Lambrettas because the Vespas were kind of like the poor cousins on the scooter scene. You know, Lambretta was the really premium brand. That was the hoity-toity one. Vespa was the working man scooter. So to name this bottle, the name this model, the nine four six, talking about the year it came, the Vespa you know was established, and to say this has anything to do with the philosophy of how the company was started, is so bullshit. It it doesn't hold any fucking water for me. Like what you're going to give it ultra retro styling from a weird, you know. Italian styling house that's d- doesn't mean anything from the time or anything it has had no connection to your brand before and you're going to charge that kind of money you're going to charge me R6 money for a 150cc scooter that's supposed to represent cheap like viable transportation for a post-war era like war-torn country if not continent or multiple continents of people, see now this fuck would, you. This would have made so much more sense if what they had done was they just made like two hundred of this bike and maybe added some other styling elements, some other cool stuff, and it was all handcrafted. And they sold them for like fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and they okay. just and then it was just like, oh well, a bunch of a bunch of Italian celebrities are going to snap these up, and they'll be collectible. And, and there you go, and that's the end of it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. The, like no, that makes way more sense. Yeah. But instead, they tried this thing that has nothing to do with who they are. It failed, and now they're trying this gimmicky thing, like they're trying to take African AIDS babies and make it into a gimmick to try to sell these for a little bit more of what they actually want to sell them for versus what everyone has proven since 2013 they're only willing to pay for it, which is still too much money. Fuck you, Vespa. Like, you've really disappointed me. And this has been going on for some time. Like I didn't even well, know at least about this three one. years, five years. They've been making these since 2013. I, that's that's how that's how failed this model is. I'd never even heard of it. I just want to point out, and and this is uh, this is a free one to all of the manufacturers. If you ever come, because to... we're not on Honda Retainer just yet, not just yet. But this 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 piece of advice is free. If at any point you are desperate enough to put a hashtag on your marketing copy, give up. You're done. <laughs> Everything that you were trying to do is a failure. It's over. Cut your losses and move on. Okay. Now I think we we can put a pin in okay. the Vespa I, I think I think we're done. All right, let's move on to something else. Okay, and we're back. All right, so 
We haven't mentioned the Norge for a while. It is the official podcast bike. So um, you've been riding it some more now. You've had it for how long now? Two months? Two months. There we go. And we got like uh, two days after our birthday. Oh, that's right. Okay. So how many miles have you put on it now? I think I've gotten through about three gas, three full tanks. Not a ton. So like what? That would be 600 miles? Thereabouts, yeah. Okay. So you're starting to get a good feel for what it is now. Which is quite a lot of miles, considering the size of the tank. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It is. it is, And well, it's also, like, kind of a lot of miles for the time of year it is, how the weather has been, and, you know, the short amount of time that we've had it, really. Mm-hmm. So... You've been riding it to work. You've ridden it up here a couple times. You've... That's been most of the riding. And then I went down to South Den... uh, You know, Southern Denver a few times. Uh, Took it down to... Took it down to Micro Center to get podcast supplies. There we go. Which is totally achievable with all the excessive storage space I have. Okay. So now you were you were saying something a little earlier, like the W six fifty, like you know when it really comes down to it, even after just two months, when one of the bikes has to go in ten months, it might be the W six fifty on the chopping block already. Yeah. So the main thing is that with the Norge, it just ticks so many boxes where. You know, there's kind of all these different things you want out of your motorcycle. There's so many things you could have out of your motorcycle. And, you know, it's in terms of comfort, range, horsepower, top speed, fuel efficiency, torque. You know, there's all these different factors. And the X factor. And the X factor, yeah. That come into play. And... If you're going to have just two bikes, you really want two bikes that cover the full range, but you also want to be able to get something really weird at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you look at my first bike, which was a CB1000, it was, it was a little weird, and it was very, fairly practical. And then... You know, the W650, in terms of weirdness and uniqueness, just totally blows it out of the water. And it's it's got decent horsepower. It's, it's got, not even that the W650 is weird. It's super cool. It is really cool. In a lot of ways, I feel like it is cooler than a Bonneville. Oh, I agree. But here's the thing. The W650 is cool, but it doesn't have a ton of power. It does. It isn't really. Even though we did take it on an iron butt. Oh yeah. And, you know we we did do a saddle sore on it. But we we, we did we it, completed one iron butt and two very close attempts. Right, but it's not really ideal for it. On top of that. It's, you know, it doesn't have ABS. It 
doesn't have you know it's still a it's still a rear drum and a single front disc brake on the cool factor and as a commuter it's excellent and as but it doesn't have any thrills does it well it doesn't but when you examine it as a package it doesn't need those but if you're going to limit yourself to two bikes Mm-hmm. This is where this is where it gets tricky. Although, no, I'll I'll rephrase that. If you were going to have two bikes for the rest of your life, the W six fifty has a place there, right? If your other bike satisfies all of your other needs in terms of horsepower, torque, range, comfort, right. And you could easily do that with an Orge or a BMW 1200 or GS or an RS or a myriad of other bikes. Mm-hmm. But once you have that big sport tour that does all of those things and you have the W650 and now one of them has to go. So that you can pick up another bike. If you get rid of the Norge, you now have to go find something that fills all of those roles. Right. And what bike could that be at that it's value? Gonna, it's going to be another bike very similar to it. Whereas if you keep the Norge and that's your foundation, then you can get rid of the W650 and then your options are limitless. Right. You can get something else really weird and super impractical and unreliable. You can get whatever you want. Something that's just pure fun. Right. Okay. So I what would that pure fun bike be? Like, what would you really be into? Oh, well, you could go anywhere. I could get something far less reliable, just knowing I could always fall back on the Norge. I could help. I could get an old Bonneville. That'd be totally be an option. Yeah. I could get a Vespa scooter. I could get a beat to shit CBR 300 RR or a beat to shit Jixer 750. I could I, get I do like the Jixer 750 idea. I think this this is pretty good. But it's all the Jixer 750. It's almost a little too safe, right? Like, <sighs> what if it was an 85? Oh, okay, okay. That I would support. That would be weird enough. But is it stupid enough? Uh, maybe it is. Maybe that's stupid enough. Um, what about something like? Okay, you said like a like a a, a crappy Jixer seven fifty. What what do you think we could find like a crappy um, Panigale for? Oh, so I don't know if I'm invested enough to do valves on a Panigale. So it would have to be from a dealer, mm-hmm. preferably with cracked fairings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's the worst Panigale we could get? Yeah. It's a total shitbox Panigale. 
You know, I don't think I've ever seen a shitbox Panigale. I feel like as soon as it gets crashed, or, you know, if it gets wrecked or dented or dropped, all of a sudden the black helicopters come for you and yeah. just whisk you away, and you're never to be seen again. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, we're probably a few years off from a shitbox Panigale, but there's got to be something... I bet we could find one at police auction. That might have possibilities. That's that's where we got to go. Ooh, I don't know. This has this has potential right here. We're just looking at Denver Craigslist right now. This is for called six grand. We got the Aprilia Dorsoduro seven fifty. So this is an out of the box supermoto, a seven fifty single. Ooh. Is that a single or a twin? That looks like a twin. Look at the look at that cylinder coming out. There that's a twin. Yeah, there we go. So we got a Prilia twin seven fifty out of the box supermoto, six grand. Oh, that's pretty that's pretty stupid as well. It is. You know, I'm actually kind of attached to the idea of of getting a Suzuki after doing the Suzuki history lesson. And on that Note, it may make sense to get like a um Bergman six fifty. <laughs> it always comes back to the Bergman. At some point, maybe. I, I, I think I'm gonna leave that to you. <laughs> um I kinda wanna see I want kinda wanna get like a a DRZ four hundred SM. Okay. Uh, yeah, that that could work. I don't know. Aprilia Shiver? I don't know. This this makes a compelling argument as well. This one's three grand. 15,000 miles? I think you might have to stay... I think you might have to stay European for a minute. But, you know, something, something stupid. Something trellis-framed or either that or just a ridiculous street-legal track bike. Or what about a monster? Yeah, it could be a monster. Yeah, because it doesn't have to have like a fairing or anything. This can be something that is only good for sunny summer Sundays. If I was going for just a pure fun, just stupid bike. A 797. 797's mm. not bad. Mm. Again, Again it, it, if I do that though, I do run into the issue... Of having two Italian motorcycles. This is true. Although I feel like you should like you should you should probably aim for something that you know is bad. That's kind of where I want to go, right? Because the Nord is so good. Like, fine. Like, what what is this universally thought of as just a horrible motorcycle? I'm not getting a bullet 500. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> a horrible motorcycle, but with good performance. See, this is my problem. I got a reliable Italian motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's really horrible with good performance? Um, what about a shitbox Busa? So, I don't know. It look 2007 here, 5800. That's that's W650 money like you have. Right? 23,000 miles, not too bad. 
I feel like you could show up with cash and get this for fifty two hundred, and I feel like you could get fifty two hundred for your W six fifty or close to that. If I wait a little longer, I could probably get a bit more for it. And I've still got to swap the exhaust, replace the exhaust on it, but um, that's not I bad. Could get, I could get close. Okay. Well, that's enough daydreaming for now, I think. Anyway, the the point is that at this point, the Nord has been has proven to be so good, it might already be the keeper bike, is what we're getting at, right? Right. Okay. I think we're just going to cut this one a little bit short, because we don't want to ramble on just bore the absolute living shit out of everyone. I do want to say we've gotten, finally, some reviews, or ratings at least, from people, so... We're starting to break through a little bit on that one. Um, but if everyone can please keep giving some reviews, giving some ratings for us, it helps out so much. Feel free to send us an email to nokomotopodcast at gmail.com. And the next time you hear from us, we're going to have some race action, maybe. Perhaps. There we go. All right, let's do the outro. And I don't want to die. Just want to ride on my motorcycle. Go. All right, see you later, guys. Later. Stay tuned and stay safe. Bye.